So just two minutes remaining in the first period of extra time as David Robertson launches the long throw into the box. Van der Aert going to touch. There's Nicholas. It's back to Mason. 2-1 to Aberdeen. Cocky Scott on the track. And the long throw did all the damage. <laughs> Welcome to the Byron Aberdeen podcast. This one being recorded very shortly after the final whistle of a chastening evening in Lanarkshire as the Dons went down 3-0 to the home side Motherwell and out of the Betfred League Cup for the season. Joining me tonight to look back on a very disappointing evening is Martin Clunas. Martin, how are you? Um, absolutely awful, Richard. <laughs> and um, with probably quite good timing given the focus of some of the goals conceded tonight it's uh, ex-Dons keeper and uh, media personality I think we can now officially say David Priest. David how are you? I'm well apart from his own I'm very well cheers. <laughs> Martin let's start with the selection tonight. Um, four changes from Saturday that, that's justifiable given how abject the performance really was on Saturday certainly the second half but the thing is we're now 12 games into the season and it doesn't look like he's any closer to knowing what his best 11 is, what his best formation is, just how he should proceed. Yeah, I mean, it does It does seem like that. I mean, you look at the changes, um, you know, Arneson kind of went out, but I mean, he really, I thought he had nothing to do really on Saturday, but he's he doesn't have pace, so it's understandable he went out. Um, you know, Stewart has been poor this season. Maynard, uh, I've said to you already that you know, 10 minutes into his debut, um, my hot take was that he was going to be a failure and he's, he's done nothing to convince me otherwise. The only one that can really feel aggrieved about going out was Wright. Um, you know, he was full of effort for when he was on the park on Saturday and just didn't, nothing came off for him. But you know, the guys that came in, you, know, you look at guys that are going to come in, and Ryan Christie is Ryan Christie. Obviously, you know, he's talented, there's ability there. The other ones, Reynolds, let's say, comes in for pace. Mackay, Stephen, and Ball—you know—you're the kind of guys that are looking to start games and maybe make an impression and kind of claim a starting berth. And both of them, you know, okay, you know, Mackay, Stephen was only on the pitch for what 34 or 35 minutes. You know, achieved the square root of nothing. Ball was completely anonymous. Um, the thing with the tinkering, you know, and a lot of people are getting kind of upset by the tinkering. And I do really understand it um, because, on the face value, it does look like Derek doesn't know his best eleven. Um, I think the problem he has is that there were, we are the second best team in the country, um, but we're a star, the second best team in the country whose star player can't play against the number one team. So Derek's trying to find other ways to try improve things. Where, like you saw on Saturday, you no know, Christie didn't start. Tonight it's a cup game; it's massively important. He's obviously going to play, but the problem is that it doesn't, like you say, he doesn't look any closer to finding a settled team, even a settled eight or nine. Um, there's guys there though who are switching. I mean, four changes for a cup game is is a bit worrying, um, and you know it, it proved that you know, they played tonight like they they never met before. I think that phrase "we're the second best team in the country," which has really been your catchphrase over the past two seasons, might be sorely tested as the season progresses. <laughs> um, 
David, a lot's been made, I think, of the added um, options that Derek McInnes has to his disposal this season. And flexibility is good, being able to change to a number of different formations, having the options on the bench. It's great, but it can lead to uncertainty. And I, do you, have you found that being adaptable is something that, being adaptable between different formations, for example, is something that some players struggle with? And it's not necessarily a good player versus a bad player thing. You know, you'll have players who play at a high level who struggle with that. Yeah, but I, I, I always think at, at any level, especially sort of anything above sort of League Two, sort of Championship, Scotland, anything above that, players need to have a great, a great understanding of, of football in general and different formations and should be able to, you know, should have had a good enough education football-wise to, to be able to switch between between formations effortlessly. And it doesn't really... I mean, there's always a lot made of, of people going three at the back or whether they play four at the back. But if there's a big change to three at the back, it's like... It, it, you know what? It's, it's like... They're, they're, I don't know, it's, it's like it's groundbreaking or something like that. They've never done it before. All this in the Premier League, the, the big thing about Arsenal got three at the back. Teams and, and players at that level should be able to adapt more problem. Now, what you're saying about with Derek now that he's got a, a, a squad with more depth and more options, but like you said, it, it does bring problems if, if none of those options are clicking. And I think tonight wouldn't have been a, wouldn't have been a massive worry to me at all, you know, these things happen. I've had decent cup runs in the last few years. Uh, it, it, it's not the real. It's not the real. Of course, want to win cups, but I think it's. It wouldn't have been a huge, uh, huge loss tonight uh, if it hadn't been sort of for the the performance against Kilmarnock. Which, um, if you're going to be number two, and if you or if you have any aspirations whatsoever in the, in the league, those are, those are the games you've got to win. Yeah, I think it's fair to say tonight always looked like a fairly challenging fixture on paper, Martin. Motherwell have done quite well, particularly at home the last few weeks. And um, certainly when the game started, they played it wide, they got balls in at every possible opportunity. They had Bowman and Moult going after it. Simple, very predictable. But why did it seem like we were so ill-prepared for it? That's uh, that's a $64,000 question, isn't it? We know we just... They just—it was almost like they'd never—they they hadn't prepared properly for what Motherwell do. And you know, you know, you know we we've, we identified you know, when we spoke about Motherwell last season, you know, the the danger man was Louis Moult. So you no, know, it's no great secret that he's he's the guy who, if they're going to achieve anything, he's the guy who's going to be playing at the top of his game. And he was—he just seemed to find space in every single opportunity in the channel. When he's in the middle, nobody seemed to be picking him up. Um, I'm not sure who it was, if it was meant to be O'Connor at first, uh, but nobody got in, seemed to get anywhere near him, and that was the kind of the motif for the whole game. Uh, no matter who was playing playing in defence when the, the change was made, he just sort of he found space constantly, and it's, I, I can't understand why that there was just it, it, it surely can't be down to lack of preparation because we're a professional football club, so the, the players clearly weren't following what they've been told to do, and like. David says there, you no, know, the, the talk about changing the formations, you know, it's exactly 100% correct. No, three at the back isn't some kind of witchcraft that's been done for years. And if, if players aren't capable of following simple instructions, then, you know, I mean, we've, we, it looks, for the, looks on the face value of it that we've, we've definitely we've settled for a lesser, t- in terms of quality for centre-halves of the season. Um, 
I know, you know, Ash Taylor wasn't, you know, a, a fan favourite, but the guys that have replaced him just aren't good enough. Nice use of the word motif there. Someone sold a dictionary over the past seven days. Um, <laughs> about that centre-half situation, David, obviously the, the focus again over the summer was a lot of additions up front. Obviously the talent that went there, Johnny Hayes now again to name but two. Uh, we needed some fresh impetus there, but it did seem as if the replacements, it was almost an afterthought to get the defensive replacements in. And um, it really, it goes without saying, it's, it's how... Uh, Derek McInnes built his early success at Aberdeen by having a solid base, and it's where all good teams start from. It is very much a cliche, but I'm very surprised there hasn't been more focus on that. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think tonight the centre halves weren't really the problem. I know maybe you kind of got under the ball for the second goal, and Reynolds probably—you could see it's a good player by by the lad to get past Reynolds for the first goal, but. I think most of the problems were, re- were really when players were drifting in them wide areas. First half, kind of noticed that they, 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 they were getting. Well, I think it was um, a tactic of Mother Wells to get down there, uh, getting behind uh, Sheer Logan, just because obviously he's, he's very attacking and there's obviously going to be some space left in behind them. So it's I, to be honest with you, I mean. You look at um, they've hit the post in the second half, and, and the goals could easily be avoided. And, and I don't think they were a huge threat. I think you've got to give credit to Motherwell simply because they've 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 matched more than matched Aberdeen tonight. Uh, and I was really impressed with them, especially sort of uh, Lewis Moore will get the um, he'll get all the plaudits and he scored a couple of goals. But I really liked Alan, Alan Campbell tonight. I think he, he was yep. industrious mm-hmm. in, and not just that. Positioned himself well on the pitch tactically. He looked very good, and I think that they matched them matched them up well there, sort of in midfield, and it made it difficult for Aberdeen, certainly for the first hour. And I know they've we'd had a lot of, uh, I think at one point said we'd had eighty possession, eighty percent of the ball, but I think when you lose a couple of goals, teams teams will uh, if they score a couple of goals, sorry, they'll they'll concede possession to you, uh, and it's up to you to sort of break them down. So it's I think tonight you can give um, as much as we, you know we can be critical of Aberdeen and we're critical of, of Derek. You've got to give a lot, a lot of credit to Motherwell, I think, because I think they've played well tonight. Well, I think they have, and I think that the matchups that you speak about really, really don't reflect well on us. For example, Alan Campbell sitting at the base of that Motherwell midfield. Compare his performance to Dominic Balls, Martin. Again, we're speaking about Motherwell's uh, way of playing. Predictable, yes. Effective, absolutely. We, on the other hand, didn't seem to have any discernible style of play at all. And maybe that comes because we were changing formation so often. I think it, I think it might be. Um, I mean, Dominic Ball was completely anonymous for the whole the whole time that he was on the pitch. Um, contributed absolutely nothing. Um, you look at so I think midfield wise, the midfielder was you know was really poor tonight and. I mean, it's not where the game was lost, certainly, but it's where we just we didn't contribute anything in terms of an, any sort of attacking threat. Um, you know, between between Ball, McLean, and even Shinny, Shinny's running a bit like a headless chicken, trying to cover for the fact that he's standing next to a guy who's not doing anything. Uh, McLean just another another night where he's had like a really poor a poor poor game. Um, I'm not one for the I'm not one for this sort of calling for. Players' heads and stuff because it's just contract situation. But 
he certainly seems to have his head turned, and he's not the player that he's he's been. He was in certainly for in flashes last season, um, and so that midfield three was just was just completely you know completely anonymous and Motherwell just stuck to their task. And as you said, you know, it's not it's not pretty, but it was effective. Um, and they, there was a point where they were just passing circles around us. So maybe me saying it's not pretty is me t- is isn't fair because you know, we they, we couldn't get the ball off them at one point. Um, and you no know, credit to them because the better team by a long, long distance won the game. Well, they did, and um, a lot of that stems from the first goal, which is um, a little bit of a freak affair. Focus will be on Joe Lewis, David, but the defending beforehand was far from exemplary. I thought Andy Considine could have done far better. Um, I thought even that O'Connor could have got tighter to Moult before the shot. Uh, and in defence of Joe, that comes at him a lot quicker than the replays are going to show. Yeah, I, I mean, I said this on Twitter while I was watching the game, that you have to give Lewis Moult a lot more credit than you, you can give Joe criticism. And um, whether he's trying to score or not, but the, he, was, he was certainly just trying to keep the ball alive, whether it was going to be a shot or he's trying to put the ball back in for somebody to come across onto. But him flicking it up and just hitting it over his shoulder, obviously Joe's sort of kind of half come out, then he's decided to, to go back, and as he's going back, he's just a little slip. But if you look at it, it, it looks clumsy, it looks awkward. But from that distance, he's got two players in front of him that are shielding the ball, so he only sees the ball as it comes past, uh, was it O'Connor? Yeah. In front of it, yeah. So, it, it don't, so he sees the ball as it comes past O'Connor's shoulder. It's not like his hands were in a low position either, and it's just that he's just, when he's reacted, that the ball's just probably about six yards, uh, uh, six inches behind where his hands were. So he's just that split second too late. And it looks, doesn't look great, but it, the fact is that he's, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's got to, you've got to give Lewis more, a lot more credit than you give criticism uh, to Joe. And I think, like you said, um, like you said there, it's, when you look at it a thousand times on replay and it's slowed down, yeah, it, it looks even worse. But in real time, you've got that type of reacting, you don't see the ball very late till it's almost right at you. It's very difficult. I mean, arguably, of the three, it's the goal I'd probably criticise them least for, but there's no question that unsettled them, David. I also want to give you the opportunity, um, again, we had the usual, oh, you should have done better stuff from the pundits tonight. It's, it's such an area of weakness in football broadcasting, I find, that you have ex-strikers, ex-outfield players, and you very rarely have a pundit who's an ex-goalkeeper, yourself excluded, yeah. David, obviously. And there's, there's a real lack of knowledge, and I think it, the way they describe goalkeeping is very simplistic, and tonight was a good example. Yeah, there was just there's no understanding there whatsoever. I thought it was awful, to be honest with you. I mean, you see ex strikers and sort of ex midfielders, and also ex Motherwell players as well. I think I had to sort <laughs> of put that in the mix as well. But it was just frustrating because I mean, it, it's not like the header was you know the header was quite close. He's done everything he should do. He's headed down at the ground. Is the moment it hits the floor, it skips low and um, and, and squeezes underneath Joe. And the only thing, any, any criticism I think that he could have done better there is that reacting in those situations when it's that close and it's headed around your feet. It's sort of like if you're if you're standing now in the goalkeeper's position and you can draw a triangle between sort of your foot, your hip, and where your hand is. That area there sometimes, even though it's very close to you, can be the most difficult, uh, a really difficult um, area to defend. 
And I think more and more what we're seeing now is keepers going, instead of trying to go with their hands, we'll go with their feet. And I think in this situation, that, that probably would have served Joe better. But you've got to remember it, it's a split-second decision and just a reaction. And it, he, he doesn't have any thought, uh, there's no thought process, no thinking time there, he just reacts. It's, it's instinctive. He's went to go with his hands. Unless he's went down with his hands, the ball, like I said, the ball just, is, as soon as it hit the surface, it skipped low underneath him. Now, again, it doesn't look great, but at the same time, I just think that there has to be a bit of understanding there rather than just say, oh, well, uh, that's a howler or that. I mean, I'm sick of tired going on about this, really, but there, there is this, um, there is this sort of, it's just an easy way out to say what he should have said that will tell us what he should have done Yeah, that's what we want yeah. that's what people want they want to say well what should he have done and what he should have done is went with his feet rather than his hands but like I said that's it's a any goalkeeper will tell you sort of shots at a low just to the just to the outside of your feet or even in between your legs it can be really difficult even though they're very close to you so why is that? Is there any particular reason why it, it sounds counterintuitive but something closer to you can be uh, harder to react to than something that's maybe down far to his side? Well, because as, as a goalkeeper, especially um, sort of British goalkeepers who maybe aren't brought up uh, with a futsal background, mm-hmm. um, it's, more, it's just an instinct to go with your hand. Now, it's just not... Um, it's just not an economical movement to go with your hand because, you know, you, you just quickly just to shoot a foot out and just block it with your feet. And I think it's just, like I said, he's it's, it's got no thinking time at all. He just it, it goes down and tries to go down with his hands and um, and it, it's just the wrong decision. If, if it had been a dry... You know, don't take these things into consideration. If it was been a dry pitch, there would have been a little kick up off the... Off the deck, and I probably would have hit him on the sort of like on the on the ribs, and and he, and he kept it out. So it's it's real fine margins, and it's sort of it's not, it's it's not as black and white as what it's made out to be. The futsal comparison is is an interesting one. That automatically makes me think of the the Schmeichel star jump. Is is that something that you also associate with that? Or well, that was uh, the the Schmeichel star jump would probably come from handball. Yeah, which yeah. is which is a, which is kind of a big uh, it's, it's a big sport in Denmark and Scandinavia across Europe, and it's very uh, sort of um, sort of very reminiscent of sort of the, the the goalkeeper style over there because you you have very little time right? you've got somebody who's literally a yard or two in front of you and they've got the ball in their hands and they're just throwing it as hard as they can past you and so you, you know you've just got to try and spread yourself and there's a keeper called Kasper Witt who um, he was just phenomenal when he was playing for Denmark while I was over there kind of and used to look at him quite a bit and, and as soon as I started watching handball games I got exactly where the Schmeichel mm-hmm. sort of spread comes from but if you look at somebody like David De Gea um, who's he, he, he probably scores with his feet just as much as he does with his hands. And I know he gets a lot of criticism from some some quarters because shots that are maybe a little bit too sort of out of range for his feet he still goes with them, and it doesn't look great. But you see a lot of it. I mean, like I say, it's it's economic, more economical way of saving balls rather than trying to go with your hands and trying to get down just to shoot a foot out. And if you do it with the, if you time it right as well, you get a good distance on the claims as well with the deflection. Thinking back, I actually recall Peter Kier and his time up here 
going for a lot of efforts with his feet primarily as opposed to his hands. Did it surprise you when you saw him in the training and see that approach no, which would be I, different to what you'd experienced in, in the UK? I mean, I'd saw it early on when I was there. When I was at Sunderland, I played with a guy called Lionel Perez. Yeah. You know, when, when Peter used to do it, it was effective for him because sometimes, like I said, he, he'd, he'd stop the ball with his feet and the ball wouldn't bounce before when I was through him. And, um, and I think it was a Kilmarnock once, I'm not sure. You know, it was, it just wasn't, wasn't the done technique at the time. You know, so it was, you know, maybe Jim Leighton might not have agreed with it since, and, but he'd been used to doing it for, you know, most of his career. And it'd obviously been effective for him as well, so it was, it's it just because it hadn't been practicing in this, so in training, there's some days if Jim was away with the, with Scotland under 21s or whatever, Peter would take, um, take training sessions and we'd actually, for the first time I'd ever done it, was actually training the technique. And basically it was just him sort of firing balls low, uh, sort of around our feet and us just reacting with our feet instead of reacting with our hands. Well, I'm certainly finding that really interesting, um, but, because uh, I do think tomorrow morning the focus is going to be all on Joe Lewis. And I think in some respects, again, Martin, that, that's unfair because the second goal, he's once again, he's not helped by his defence. O'Connor is beaten far too easily to the cross ball. Yeah, he is. Um, it was something that happened throughout the game that the, the defence didn't no, didn't really do him any favours, even no, not just for the goals. Um, no, O'Connor, no, again, not, impress, not impressive. Um, but just again, like I mean, that's the frustrating thing that you know you, before you're watching the kind of the TV build up before the game and they're they're heaping praise on Lewis and you're thinking, yeah, this is going to be one of those nights where and they're just they're no, I guess I suppose it. I do think though I'm I'm obviously very very bitter and really really hurting here, <laughs> but sit but sit and listening to guys like you no, know, Crags and Michael Stewart bang on and you know, taking cheap shots because you no. Know, they're 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 delighted that Aberdeen have have came really unstuck. Um, it's really really tough to take. But no, Lewis didn't do himself any favours. But you know, he's, I think that we have to remember he's got a lot of credit in the bank with us. Um, and he's had a he's had a terrible game, and it's came in what's been you know is a really important time. But um, I think that if I'm going to be digging any of the, anybody out that's that has been culpable for the defeat. Um, He's certainly not top of the list. Yeah, I mean, the response to the team wasn't great to the point where I think this is an acknowledgement as much as the feelings of the starting 11 as to the individual feelings of Gary Mackay-Steven. But you get a substitute after 35 minutes, Mackay-Steven going off for Rooney again to try and change the shape, but also because Mackay-Steven looked lost out there. Um, when a manager does that after half an hour... You won't have necessarily experienced it yourself, David, but as a player, you're being taken off after half an hour, not because of injury. That must feel pretty bad. Yeah, but I mean, if I was him, I wouldn't be too down hard because obviously, I think it was, it was a 2-0 at that point. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was 2-0. It was so the manager has to be seen to be doing something and it obviously wasn't working. Um, so, I mean... Sometimes you, you, you've just got to be, let yourself be sacrificed um, in, in at times like that. But 
I think it's, in the past, I know Derek's been criticised for not sort of for leaving things too late before he makes changes, not making changes at all. So, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing at all that uh, he, he did want to want to change it. But it's, I know some people, some managers don't like changing things too early because it's kind of a, an admission that they were wrong. Yeah. But also at the same time, I, I know, I've, I've known managers who will stubbornly stick to to pre-match tactics simply because they think then they would have just wasted the whole week's training sessions if they didn't stick with what they did and didn't have the belief in what they what they were doing. I think it's um but I think tonight, you know, you probably give you've got to give Derek a bit of credit for, for trying to change things. Well there was that early change, Martin, there was a change early second half as well. There was the uh usual approach of sending the team out halfway through the, the team talk after no doubt uh, fairly blustering dressing down so it, all the kind of usual managerial tropes were used but it didn't really seem to have that much impact on the real flow of the game we had a lot more of the ball but we didn't really create a great deal um, I'm a bit worried personally about the attitude of some of the players to me there were too many people out there looking for someone else to do something last season last couple of seasons you'd have Johnny Hayes you'd have Niall McGinn there. they were the talisman of this side other people have got to put their hands up now, and I'm not seeing that happening. No, uh, it, can't, it can't just be Ryan Christie as well. That's one thing that, you know, because as I mentioned earlier, he can't play in every game, so you can't keep looking at this guy to dig us out when it's when things are things are looking bad. Um, but there was a lot of heads, you know, at two 0 a lot of heads had gone down, and you know they were they weren't coming back. Um, just you, you look at it again. I mentioned the midfield. Midfield was was appalling. Um, Stevie May was probably the only one of our players that will that gets away with pass marks because he, he he really was sort of running his running his legs off. But you know, there's nothing there. There was no creativity. He wasn't getting any kind of decent balls. Anything that was coming forward was coming from maybe Considine or Logan, and it was a long ball that he was having to chase. Um, there was nothing coming through the middle, um, and I just you know you just kind of you look at the look around. They must go into. I mean. You'll know, obviously, you'll know, that David. When you after a game like that, when you go in and you look around like a dressing room and you see, you know, some of those players will know that they've 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 let themselves down. Whereas, you know, Stevie Maker is the only one that really gets away with it, isn't he? Yeah, I understand what you're saying there. I mean, there was no sort of didn't really have anybody to to link up with him, and you're right. Anything he had, uh, he was he was battling by himself to get. And he's going to have to create by himself. I still think Christie did did quite well tonight. He's now that um, Johnny Hayes has gone, he's the one that sort of he's a ball carry, drives the ball, uh, drives with the ball forward, and and can possibly be a, 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 even a, a more influential player than Johnny Hayes simply because he does it from central areas. And once he breaks past, if he breaks past the first line of or the line of uh, press that, that comes onto him. Then he can open things up, and then he can be. I think he can, he can be a, a source of goals for Stevie May. But it just when he was doing it, even when he was doing it tonight, there was very little in front of him, very little, a few options. You think he drew a great save from? Um, was it him that drew the save from from Carson second half? Yes, it was. Go forward with yeah. it, yeah. So I think there was no real sort of link of player, and and I, and I think again. I keep saying this, you've got to give Motherwell credit because they, they matched up and then they more than matched up by it with, with their efforts. They, they, you can see they're a team that stay in games 
they're not going to be um, they're not going to be too open. And you can even see from the the throwing uh, routines, they did really well from just from simple throwings, just simple movements. You can see that they've worked on it, and it, they get great rewards from just doing simple things like that. And hoping that you know they get uh, the opposition make mistakes that they capitalise on, which they did tonight. I mean, Johnny Hayes, and probably to a slightly lesser extent now, my game was so central to the way this that Aberdeen team played. And I think we have to now say that Aberdeen team. I think there's only been three or four players gone, but it does seem as if this is now a different team from last year's very much. Are we underestimating just how much of an impact losing those two players would be, David? Not really, because I think everyone knew it was going to be tough, and I think... Considering the start, up till sort of the Kilmarnock game, um, you know, it, it, it didn't, it hadn't had a, a great effect really, but I think it was always going to take a little bit of time for, to rebuild. And of course, when new players come in, you, you've got to give them time, a little bit of time to gel. So I, up till now, it hasn't really had too much effect, but I think you, you're right about the way the team plays. It's certainly going to change now and things are going to, things are, Perhaps going to come more centrally through Christie than they are from uh, than, than what McGinn and, and Hayes gave us. Um, but then again, it's you know, what do you do then? And if, if you know you're going to lose those two players, do you you know do you make sure that you recruit like for like uh, once they're gone? Maybe that's the maybe that's the key. Well, of course, one of the problems Martin, is that one of the guys he brought in to be a more direct replacement for Johnny Hayes, Gary Mackay Stephen, has had the troubled start to his time at Aberdeen both on field and off field and uh, tonight obviously touched on earlier being brought off after half an hour anyone could have come off let's be clear about that any one of the outfield players really could have come off but he in particular opportunity to get a start tonight first start since that incident uh, in the west end of Glasgow and he really didn't capitalise No um, it was especially after Canado he was obviously got the he was in the press conference today um, all the kind of chat about it and ho ho, let's have a laugh, hilarious gags about nicknames he gets and stuff. And you're thinking, yeah, okay, no, let's put this behind us. But he's got to. It's all very well, you know, having a laugh, laughing off what was a pretty serious situation and something that, you know, under under maybe other Aberdeen managers could have been an end to his Aberdeen career. Let's not let's not get away from that. That you know, it's a pretty serious thing that happened. You know. Um, but he didn't take the opportunity at all, um, and you're right to say that it could have been any one of them, um, because I don't, it's it's unfair just to say he was the worst um, just because he was taken off, because it would be wrong. Uh, but he didn't make any kind of impact in the game at all, um, and that's that's really disappointing. Um, I suppose he'll know he's a he's a no, he's a grown man, he's a professional footballer, and I'm sure I'm sure he'll come back and he'll probably come back stronger. But um, on the the, the look on his face when he came off tonight, um, I think he knew. He knew. Second half, it's better in that uh, we don't look quite as chaotic, but we don't really create a great deal. Our best chance comes from a breakaway from a motherwell corner. Ryan Christie shot tipped over by uh, by Carson, and then we can see the third goal. Motherwell just did what they did for the majority of the second half: played a long ball into the corner. This time, Andy Considine. Makes a half-hearted attempt to get back. Louis Moult still full, running 85 minutes into the game again. Great credit to Mother on their conditioning. And um, David, uh, to bring that cliche that you hate, 
Julio shouldn't be beating his near post, should he? He should do better. <laughs> well, <laughs> do you know what? Out of all three goals, I'm probably more likely to, to criticise him for this one, simply because I think if he'd been in the better starting position, he'd have been out and cleared the danger before the ball even got in the box, or even been at the edge of his box to, to collect the ball. Once it's not, and then... It's similar to... Uh, you know what? We're going to see a lot more goals like this, and keepers being beaten near post. And maybe it didn't happen tonight, but can you remember Spurs game against Dortmund last week when um, the Spurs' first two goals were near post? Son mm. and Harry Kane. Can you remember that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well um, yeah, Berkey, the, the Dortmund goalkeeper. What you're seeing now is because... Because... Um, Goalkeepers now are being sort of coached to sort of it, you're not actually defending the goal. When people get in them wide positions, you sort of your goal is between sort of kind of the, your, your post and your six yard box, so you're more square onto the ball. So it gives you a better chance of trying to cut out um, cut out the, any crosses or any cutbacks. Now, um, Rafa Benitez did this with uh, Pepe Arena uh, when, when they were at Liverpool. And he kind of he encouraged Pepe Reina to try and cut out crosses from that position and kind of said to him, look, if somebody beats you in your post, I'll take the blame for it. I want you, because they're more likely to, to, to cut the ball back and that's, that's probably more of a danger. So, um, so now I think a lot of teams are cutting onto that, the, the fact that the keepers are looking for the, the cut back of the crosses and they're leaving a little bit, but also the low hand position. From, that, from it's not like they're, they're very close to goal. So from the position where Moat was or Son and Kane um, against Dortmund, both Joe's and um, Berkey's hands are like sort of low, really low hand position down yeah. by the sort of past the past the waist. And, and I think in that position, if you if you're close to um, if you're close to a striker and it's within close range and they get within sort of five six yards. You come to close them down, then that's the way you do it. Like we're talking about with the um, the futsal technique. But when you, when when they're that far away, when you've still got time to react, hand should be in a more neutral position, sort of waist height, and it gives you a sort of a better chance to get. Like I said, you can, anything down low, you can use your feet, and it gives you a better chance when you're low. So by the time if your if your hands are too low, like they were with Joe's, you know. I think Michael, Mikey Stewart sort of excused him because the ball was past him before he could react, but that's because his hands are, hands are low and it, you're right, it was over his shoulder. So I, I think you're going to see a lot more goals, a lot more keepers being beaten up in the post because they're trying to cover more of the, uh, not just the goal, but the six-yard box as well. In that situation, David, would you be looking for the keeper to come out or, would you, or should he stay where he was? No, he should stay where he is. I think... Yeah. Um, I sort of did a bit, a bit of analysis on Tim Howard uh, the other week when he was he was playing for US against Costa Rica, oh. and they were probably I don't know, I can't remember who the Costa Rican player was, but he's sort of coming on 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 the angle, and he's about ten yards out, and then and Tim Howard's come right down the line, sort of sort of past his post, and about sort of I don't know three or four yards further forward than he should be, so when he's he brings himself closer to the player. So what you do is you rely on a bit of luck that the ball's going to hit you because you've got no real reaction time there. So, I mean, Joe's in, so Joe's in the right position. He was right to stay sort of 
just just in line with his post and, and it gives yourself a little bit of chance to react but at the same time as well you know I always say this about when people do say about you should be beating at your near post power can beat you from any angle so if you if you can't you know if the ball's past you before you can react then it doesn't matter you know it doesn't matter what your position is it's going to it's going to go past you in keeping with the low arm position, David, I noticed that he was he was crouched as well. Almost seemed actually to go to go over him in a way. Uh, obviously, that's for the spring, but I, I'm unsure why he would need that spring if he is looking to come out for a cross. I think it's just because in in those positions, more often than not, and historically, people will try and go low across you. Mm-hmm. So you're putting yourself in that position where you, you know you you you. you you adopt a lower starting position so you can, you can get down. Yeah, uh, you're closer to the well, ground, obviously. But, yeah. but I think it, in this position, in this situation, there was no need to be that low. And I think it should just be in a, a, a nice, comfortable, neutral position. Like I said, if it is low and it's it, and that angle, he can still cover that angle with his feet, then he can do that. Get his head up for the next game. Make sure he's not dwelling on it too much, and then just carry on doing what he's been doing week in, week out. It's been, it's been helping produce these performances. And it, and it's not just Joe that needs to be given credit as well, because Gordon Marshall needs to be given credit because Joe has developed under him as well. And so he's got to take credit for, for Joe's performance as well. So I think the two of them, you know, as long as this doesn't continue beyond this game, there's nothing to worry about and it can just be dismissed as a one-off. Well, I think most Aberdeen fans would absolutely echo that. He has been tremendous for since he signed um, last summer, and after you know a succession of keepers on loan and guys in on short-term deals, to have him extend his contract to 2020 was incredibly welcome news. And he does have a chance to go again on Sunday, as do the whole side, because we're going back to Fir Park on Sunday. Martin, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, it's 50-50, isn't it? Um, I mean, it's it's obviously you can't reverse what what's happened because it's you know it was a cup game where the cup were absolutely devastated about that. But um, I suppose there's no better way than to be you know in in a couple of days to be back down there at the same place playing the same team. Um, it's you know it is what it is. Unfortunately, um, I feel but I know anybody who. After the, after that performance tonight, any of the Aberdeen fans who's making a journey on Sunday deserve a medal. I'll, I'll say that for one thing anyway. <laughs> yes, 12.15 on on Sunday is not the most attractive of kickoff times. Certainly even worse coming on the back of a defeat like that. David, you had a, a relatively similar experience um, whilst you were at the club. Um, I recall we lost 6-1 to Livingston in the League Cup on Wednesday and then faced them again in the league down at Almond Vale on the Saturday and came back from 2-0 down to get a, a pretty solid 2-2 draw. Uh, how difficult is it, or is it an added incentive to the dressing room to play the same team again? Well, I mean, it's, it's a perfect opportunity to, to address the situation. Um, I think the fact that, you know, if it is another team, then you just, you just move on and there's a chance that that's, that defeat can linger un- until the next time you play them. But I, like I said, I, I, I don't think they, they should let it worry them too much. And it's a perfect opportunity. It won't be the same. I can't say it being the same same personnel that uh, that'll start the game on uh, on Sunday. It's the perfect opportunity. And the fact is that you know you, you look at their Motherwell's performance tonight. 
if you didn't know what they were about before the game, you know what they're about now. You know exactly what to expect. And uh, and Derek will come up with with uh, an, another plan uh, other than the one that, that uh, they employ, employed tonight, simply because it's, it obviously didn't work. But like you said, I think it's it's not just about uh, formations and styles and, and things like that. It's, a, it's about individual players as well. So and if individual players are, are under par, then you're not going to stand a, a good chance of winning the game. And I think that's that's probably why everyone was out at half-time early, because it's about addressing sort of personal performances and, um, and personal efforts, individual efforts. And I think that probably needs to be addressed more than anything uh, tactical. And OK, Martin, it's maybe not been fully reflected in results. We've we've notched up quite a few wins already this season. Tonight is a big one, cup tie, you get no second chances. But um, it's been coming, hasn't it? The last few performances haven't been very good. None of the performances this season have been very convincing. And it is a bit more than just a blip. Um, I, 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 I hope it isn't. Um, I do understand what you're saying. I mean, you can, uh, there's only so many times you can say, well, you know, it's you know, it's a sign of a good team that we can play poorly and still get results. Um, but you're right, that that has been coming. You know, we're very, very lucky uh, in the game at Murrayfield to get come away with a point. Uh, Saturday, against uh, Kilmarnock could have been, you know, we could have came unstuck there, despite the fact that Kilmarnock really did off much. Um, you know, it was the it was the classic thing of you know we go a goal up and then you kind of you kind of just sit back and let the, let the game play out rather than actually taking it taking it and killing it off. Um, so yeah, it is, it is a worry um, because as I say, that result has been probably coming. Um, hopefully, this this was the blip. Um, I mean, certainly. Um, the, what would worry me more was if on Sunday we go we go there and we play Motherwell and the same thing happens. It shows that nothing's been learned from tonight because um, Motherwell aren't going to be playing playing the drastically different. You know, the the, per, the play with the personnel they have is you know they have a, a pretty solid game plan and formation that they stick to. Um, then if 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 there's anything similar on Sunday, then I would start to worry. Well, that is next up for us to return to Far Park on Sunday. But that's the end of the League Cup road. Um, failing to repeat last year's final appearance. Big disappointment tonight, unquestionably. But my thanks tonight to Martin Clunas. Martin, thank you. Cheers, Richard. And to David Priest. Thanks for joining us, David. Oh, cheers, James. Thanks for having me. Uh, we'll be back at some point in the near future, hopefully on a more positive note than tonight has been. Thanks for listening. We've been by the Manhattan.